the Lord for each of them and for those of you that are in your respective places. Even though we may be separated by distance, I know having the same spirit, we are all one in the body of Christ. Or at least we should be one in the body of Christ. I encourage you to think about the necessity of us not necessarily being like-minded in um, our aspirations or our um, attitudes, but being like-minded in the sense that we are all members of the same body. There's a lot of division within the body of Christ. And I talked about this on Facebook a little bit uh, earlier this week, referencing all the denominations. And now the most popular thing is to say I'm non-denominational, which has become a denomination. Jesus did not come to establish denominations. Jesus came to restore relationship, that we might all be together as one in the body of Christ, where he is the head and we are the body. Many members bringing our unique experience to the body establishing a beautiful combination um, or corroboration of uh, God's grace all into the same body, causing the body to be just as beautiful as its head. Just wanted to share that with you, just a thought, something to think about this week uh, before we get into the word of God. This is convocation season and we, like many uh, of the uh, many church organizations that are in existence in uh, the world, um, over these next few months, we'll um, take some time out to enjoy convocations where we all come together and we all celebrate um, our respective calls and anointings and giftings and one of the things that I've noticed watching some of the convocations that I've seen that have t transpired is people fighting to uh, be, re be relevant or to be recognized, to, in a sense, have some level of uh, prescribed value that is placed on them by others, how others see them, how others respond to them. So they, they do what they can. They show up because they may know some people and they do what they can to try to be re relevant, to try to say, here I am, please recognize me. I don't want to be forgotten. And we're looking for this, and, and this is, I, I see this all across the nation. Um, and, and we're looking for this level of recognition to give us some self-worth or to feel like um, what we have to say is important to somebody. Any preacher struggles at times in their ministry with the idea that, um, you know, is anybody listening is a question uh, I've asked myself. Is anybody listening anymore? Does anyone care what I have to say? And at the end of the day, we have to stop rating our value on the attention of others and recognize that I still have value. 
but my value is not determined by the crowds that gather to hear me or the big names, the uh, popularity of preachers that may flock to me or call upon me to be a part of their uh, religious clique. My value is found solely in Christ. Your value is found solely in Christ. I want you to think about um, something that's really important when we think about uh, our impact in life, the idea that we want to leave a legacy, the idea that we want to be remembered. I believe that the best way to be remembered is to be a servant of Christ, to speak Christ, to live Christ, to exemplify Christ, and people will remember who and what you've done, who you are and what you've done. Turn with me in the Word of God, and I want, you, I want to talk to you today from the, the, I guess, sermon topic, I still have value. I still have value. Or even better than that, I have value. I haven't lost my value, so still really isn't a, a viable word in the sense of what I feel God is giving me. I have value. And, and that you, ought to, you ought to put that in the comment section and, you know, or tweet that or Instagram it. You have to make that declaration. You have to understand that of yourself. I have value. You have to believe that yourself. Key word, belief. You have to believe that for yourself. I have value. Turn with me in the book of Romans to the fifth chapter. And I'm going to read for your hearing the sixth through the eighth verse. That's the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, the sixth through the eighth verse. I'm going to read for you out of the King James Version, which is the version that I typically teach from. Um, but whatever version you have, that's a story for another day. The word of God declares this. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In essence, you could say that Christ showed great affection for the abominable. Now, there are people in this world that believe that um, their salvation is based upon the things that they do, and, and we call this works salvation. In other words, I'm saved not just because Jesus died and my belief in that, but I'm saved because um, I'm, I'm good, I do good things. My salvation is maintained by my doing or being good. When you were saved, you were not good, in essence, in the first place. You don't get better to get saved. You get saved to get better. Let me say that again for you, because some people have this backwards. It's the old adage, um, I'll go to church when I've got my life straight. Well, you don't go to church 
when you get your life straight. You go to church because your life isn't straight and you need to get it straight. You don't get better to get saved. You get saved so that you can get better. There has to be a power within you that's driving you towards salvation. And that power cannot come from you or the things that you do. And it's vital that we understand this very simple concept of our salvation, one with which people will argue all the time, but it's a very simple, it's not deep. I know that we have a lot of deep and wonderful Christians, especially when it comes to preachers. They, they stand in front of us sometimes and they talk so far above our heads. We have no clue what in the world it is that they've said. And we walk away with the idea or the uh, sharing in our testimony that, oh man, that preacher was deep. I don't know what he said, but they were deep. I don't know what she said, but they were deep. But this, and as, as I look at scripture, I find that the, the majority of the things in scripture are not deep. They're extremely simple because if they had been deep, if God got deep with us, we'd all be in trouble. But this is a very simple concept about our salvation. Our sinfulness does not keep us from salvation and it will not take our salvation away from us either. God's word is very clear. Christ died for the ungodly. That's sinners. Matthew 9 and 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 1 Timothy 1 and 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. So I want you to understand this. First and foremost, we are valuable to the Lord. And our importance is demonstrated in the fact that he has given or laid his life down for us. Jesus died for us. Now, I've used this analogy before, but it's, it's worth using again. It's, it's a very good analogy. If I had a uh, $100 bill, and I was to take that $100 bill and offer it to, you know, people here or uh, to the first person that gets here to the ministry, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of you would come get it. If I balled that same $100 up and said, is, do you still want it? You'd still take it. If I took that balled up $100 bill and threw it on the ground and stepped on it with my shoes and smushed it into the ground, it would be outside because, you know, the floor in here is pretty clean. But we'd go outside into the grass. And then I said, do you want this $100 bill? You would say, yeah, I still want this $100 bill. You, you understand that the value of the $100 bill isn't what has happened to the bill, but in what backs the bill. Now, arguably, $100 isn't worth what we think it's worth nowadays, but that's, again, a story for another day. We've all learned a valuable lesson just in this demonstration. No matter what we do to the money, we still desire it because it has not decreased in its value by what we've done, it is still worth the $100. Now, many times in our lives, we are dropped 
we are crumbled, we are ground into the dirt, we are spit on by the decisions that we make and the circumstances that uh, may come our way. And we feel as though we are worthless. We feel as though we no longer have value. We feel as though we have lost our importance. We feel as though we have no worth. But no matter what has happened or what will happen, I want you to understand this. It doesn't matter what has happened, that's past tense, or what will happen, that's future tense, you will never lose your value in the eyes of God. Whether you're dirty or clean, crumbled or finely creased, you are priceless to God. You ought to put that in the comment section. I am priceless to God. I am priceless to God. Forget about man in the sense of trying to determine my worth. When I want to determine my worth, I look at God, the author and finisher of my faith. And in the eyes of God, I am priceless. The Lord Jesus died for us. The Bible declares in due time, which means at the appointed time, at the right historical moment, the survival of civilization was dependent upon Jesus coming in the first place. And it was also going to be dependent uh, uh, upon his death, burial, and resurrection. And it is still dependent upon his second coming. Jesus Christ, it, it, he brings to us new life, a, a new hope. He, he establishes uh, uh, grace in the human race when he came and showed this amazing love for us. Christ died for the ungodly, not just for the elect, as uh, the, the theology of Calvinism teaches. He died for all of us. This is the uh, consistent, persistent message that screams out in Scripture. Isaiah 53 and 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. John 1 and 29. It says this. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 1 Timothy 2 and 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth? Drop down to the sixth verse of that same passage. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. 1 Timothy 4 and 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Peter jumps on board in 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, there's a story about a, a gentleman by the name of Ray Blankenship, and it says that one Sunday morning, or one summer morning, rather, um, he was preparing his breakfast, and he gazes out of a window, and he sees a small girl being swept along uh, in, in a rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his Andover home. 
Blankenship knew that uh, farther down the stream, the ditch disappeared with a roar underneath a, a, a road and it emptied into a main culvert. So Ray dashes out of the door and races along the ditch trying to get ahead of the floundering child. Then he hurls himself into the deep churning water. Blankenship surfaced and was able to grab the child's arm. Now they tumble end over end, and within about three feet of the yawning of the culvert, Ray's free hand felt something, possibly a rock protruding from one of the banks. And he clung desperately, but because of the tremendous force of the water, uh, it, it tried to tear him and rip him and the child away. And he thought to himself, if I can just hang on until help comes. But he did better than that. By the time the fire department uh, rescuers arrived, Blankenship had pulled the girl to safety. Both were treated for shock uh, you know, after an ordeal like that. But on April uh, the 12th, 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life-Saving Medal. And the award is, it's fitting because there was this selfless person who was uh, at even greater risk to himself than most people knew. You see, Ray Blankenship, according to the testimonies, he can't swim. Now, for scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure a good man, some would even dare to die. Jesus commended his love toward us. Now the word commended is from the, uh, uh, a Greek word that means presence in true character, to make good, to offer another as a guarantee, to form in order of battle, to be involved in a thing, to form a league or a union. So the word commendeth is in the present tense, which means the Lord continually commends his love to us. God showed us his true character of love, his guarantee of love by seven, sending and giving of his own son, Jesus, to die for our sins. It was his desire that we be united or reconciled in Christ and that he be involved intimately in our lives in every way possible. All of these truths are summed up in the one word, commendeth. There was a former uh, college football coach, Bill McCartney, and he, he tells a story about a man named Ivan who is a Vietnam veteran. Now, Ivan uh, lived in Denver, and his uh, life is in ruins because of something that happened uh, decades prior. While he was in Vietnam, Ivan's squad befriended some Vietnamese uh, village children, which was common when you do a historical study uh, of this conflict, you'll find that this was common. They befriended these children in this Vietnamese village and they would visit uh, you know, the men daily to peddle their candy. And Ivan became friendly uh, with one of the little uh, seven-year-old uh, children by the name, uh, it was a girl by the name of Kim, as the story goes, and he picked her up and he whirled her around and he held her on his lap and he told her that he loved her. And then one day, Kim was used by the Viet Cong as a kamikaze. 
She showed up alone at the soldier's camp wired with explosives. But before she got too close, she unbuttoned her blouse to show the soldiers the bomb. You see, it was her way of telling the Americans that she was going to kill them if they would allow her to come any closer. Ivan was one of these men, and he shot her. And as McCartney puts it in the story, this guy is in pure torment over what he did that day. He can't receive what Kim offered, which was her life. She gave her life so that he could live. And when you look at this and you match this to what Jesus has done for us, this is exactly what the Lord Jesus did for us. He gave us his love while we were yet sinners. He loved the unlovely. He loved the unlovely. Romans 5, 9 through 11 says this, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. A peek at the package reveals that we are reconciled or brought back into fellowship with God by the death of Jesus. And since we have been justified by his blood, we are saved from the wrath that is to come. I was watching TikTok, looking at TikTok the other day, and, and there's this idea that's being peddled out there that the church, the entirety of the body of Christ is going to endure the tribulation period, that there is no second coming of Christ that precedes the tribulation period. There's only the second coming when he arrives with the saints at the end of the tribulation period. And this could not be farther from the truth. We are justified by the blood of Jesus. We are saved from the wrath that is to come. We have received the atonement or the reconciliation or restoration of our right relationship with him. The sacrifice of Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. We are justified by his blood. Some years ago, a terrible railroad accident occurred and it killed a whole lot of people. And this uh, here in, in present time seems to be a, a trend that's happening too often. But in this particular case, a commuter train had stalled on the tracks just a few minutes before a fast freight train was due to arrive. The conductor was quickly sent to flag down the approaching uh, flyer train being assured that all was well, the passengers, they just relaxed, feeling that everything was under control. But suddenly, the speeding freight, came, tr freight train came bearing down on them. The crash left a ghastly scene of horror. The engineer of the second train who escaped death because he, he excuse me, jumped from the cab was called into court to explain why he hadn't stopped. And this is what he said. I saw a man waving a warning flag, but it was yellow. 
So I thought he just wanted me to slow down. When the flag was examined, the mystery was explained. The flag had been red, but because of its long exposure to the sun and the, the, the chemical reaction uh, against the coloring in the flag, which caused it to become weathered, it had become dirty yellow instead of red. Dr. Harry Ironside commented on this uh, incident. He says, oh, the lives eternally wrecked by the yellow gospels. We are hearing today the bloodless theories of unregenerate men that send their, their hearers to their doom instead of stopping them on the downward road. Hear what I'm saying to you. Only Christ and his sacrifice on the cross can redeem our soul. Don't be deceived by this uh, anemic yellow gospel of works that is powerless to save you from everlasting destruction or this idea that all God cares about is for you to be rich. We have peace in Christ alone, not in things that we possess or in things that we do. Why do we have peace, rest, or security in Jesus Christ? Well, let's take a survey of the scripture and uh, find the reasons for these things. The first thing that jumps out at me when I look at scripture to try to figure out why I have peace only in Christ, but not in these other things, is our adversary has been defeated. We've been delivered from the clutches of Satan. You see, whether you accept this or not, prior to your adoption into the body of Christ, your father was the devil. The Bible declares in John 8 and 44, your father was Satan. But now in Christ, our father is God, John 1 and 12. We have gone from one destiny to another destiny. John 3 and 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, the power of Satan, the ability to dominate rests in sin over your life. The power of Satan and sin over your life has been broken. We are like prisoners that have been delivered from prison and the gatekeeper has been defeated. It is sin that has bound us. Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Romans 6 and 18 by then uh, being made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. Romans 8 and 37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The Bible is screaming of our deliverance. 1 John 5 and 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith our enemy has been defeated he has no power over us because the power that he holds is in sin but because of the blood of Jesus we have been washed and regenerated not because of what we've done but because of 
what he has done. Not because of what we possess earthly, temporally, but because of what we now possess eternally. You see, our awareness has been activated. Our awareness has been activated. As a police officer, I've, I had to uh, enter very dark homes and businesses. And uh, oftentimes, when I go into these places, I don't know exactly uh, where it is I'm going or what's around me. And this is a stressful uh, time because I don't know what's waiting in store. I don't know the lay of the land because it is dark. It's not a very peaceful or restful circumstance to be in. There are unknown dangers and uh, people who want to do me harm. And, and this is a perfect uh, description of a person before they get saved. They're walking in darkness and thus have no peace or real direction. In Christ, we have found purpose. We have a path and we have direction. Proverbs 4.19 says this, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Isaiah 59 and 9, therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. Before Christ, we walked in darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, uh, 4 and 6, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's through the tender mercy of our God whereby the day spring from uh, on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Your anxiety can be delegated. Your anxiety can be delegated. Nothing is so calming and restful as to be able to delegate a problem to someone else who has the ability to solve it because the pressure then is lifted from you you can if you want to take your burdens fears and worries to the lord he will bear your heavy load what you eat doesn't give uh, you ulcers in in fact too often what you eat, you'll find, is actually eating you. Give what is troubling you to God. This is the benefit of relationship restored. 1 Peter 5 and 7. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Psalms 37 and 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him whom prospereth in his way, because of the man whom bringeth wicked devices to pass. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
You don't have to hold on to your anxiety. You can give it to the Lord because of your restored relationship, because of what Jesus has done, because of the value that you hold to God. Our affairs are arranged when death comes. Have you ever had a test, a report, an, an assignment, or uh, something that has come due? Have you ever been in a place where you were unprepared when it was time to make your presentation? How did you feel in that moment? Do words like panic, pressured, frustrated, frantic, worried, or restless describe your emotional state of being? How did you feel when you were prepared? I usually feel confident, calm, ready to do what I have prepared myself to do. I know that I have done my best. Well, in Christ, we are prepared for death. So I don't fear death. I have confidence that whenever death should come, I am prepared because of the preparation that has been complete. John 3 and 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Philippians 1 and 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It was gain because he knew he was ready. The question you ought to ask yourself in this last day in which we are living with all that we are seeing, the manifestation of the uh, signs uh, that God gave us to look out for is, am I ready? If you are ready, you ought to just make that uh, uh, prophetic statement for yourself in the notes, put, put in there, I am ready. If you're not ready, don't put it in there. You deceive yourself. And if you're fine thinking about it that you're not ready, you've got time right now to get ready. But if you're ready, just put it in there, I'm ready. 2 Timothy 4 and 6, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Are you ready if you should die today? You cannot have peace until you know the God of peace. Something else to think about. Our account has been paid in full. I was teasing with my wife the other day, you know, all this talk about what I identify as. They've got it to where uh, over, I think it was in Europe somewhere, this young girl identified as being a cat. And she was asked a question and she responded with a meow because she identified as being a cat. And that's okay in the psyche of the world today. So thinking about it and just being the humorous kind of guy that I am, I said, well, then I think I identify as being debtless 
That means that all the debt I have, I no longer have anymore because I identify as not having debt. Let's see if we can get the world to buy into that. It's not going to happen. But when I think about my salvation, <laughs> the tremendous cost of my salvation, a debt for which I could never pay, I find that in my restored relationship with God, my account has been paid. I identify with being without debt. Have you ever had a long-standing bill that you finally got paid off? What a blessing it was for me to pay my uh, car loans off only to get some more. But that's a story for another day. All the long hours of work and all the time of praying paid off. And it was a relief when I went out and was able to look at the vehicle and say, this is truly my car. We have peace in Christ and the joy is our sin debt is paid. The debt for sin is death. Proverbs 11 and 19, a righteousness or as righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Romans 5 and 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isaiah 59 and 8. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. The wicked know no peace because of sin. The price for our sin has been paid in our sin account with God is settled when we trust Christ as our Savior. So when I say to God, I identify, I recognize myself as being debtless, I don't say a lie because I believe that my debt is paid through the acts of Christ. Romans 5 and 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And one of, uh, I believe one of the most powerful scriptures, Galatians 5 and 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ, Christ, Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. If you have no God, you will have no peace. If you know God, only then will you know peace. Romans 5 and 8, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it's through Christ. All things are through Christ. We access all things through Christ. 
We have an, a, a tremendous availability of peace toward us. In this confused world, some uh, have peace while others go to pieces. The Christian always has peace available to him or her if they want it or need it when their life is right with God. When we put our security in Christ, it cannot be taken away from us. He promises rest for our soul. Matthew 11 and 28, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will do what? I will give you rest. You ought to put that in the uh, comment section. Christ gives rest. Hebrews 4 and 9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Psalm 29 and 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. John 14 and 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace God gives. Galatians 5 and 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. It's important that we understand this restored relationship through the power of Christ. Ephesians 2 and 14, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. People of God, there's an, a, an enormous abundance available for us in Christ. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Now the Hebrew word, uh, Hebrew reads, peace, peace. You see, God has abundant peace for us. It's not just adequate peace. It's not just enough peace. But the way the Hebrew is written, it actually says, peace, peace. It's an indication of the abundance of, of peace. Philippians 4 and 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace, peace of God. We have assurance. We have assurance. And we have safety even during our storms of life because of what Jesus has done not because of what we do. We are secure in Christ. I'm not, I'm not sure how many of you have had to endure uh, storms like a hurricane or a tornado. We just had some tornadoes that touched down and did devastating damage here in Ohio, which is out of the ordinary, but they've come. And listening to the testimony and the news of the people that endured that, Horror, insecurity, both during the storm, will I survive this? And then after the storm, will I survive this? I feel a lot better being in a secure shelter than being out in the open when storms come. We have peace in the assurance that we have Christ. We have shelter in Christ. Psalm 16 and 9. In 16 and 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. 
Psalm 4 and 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makes me dwell in safety. It is God and God alone that brings us through. He is our refuge and our strength. He is our present help in times of trouble. It is because of this that we will not fear. Even if the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, I have confidence that God is with me. And if the Lord can calm the storms at sea, he can calm the storms in our life. The word peace comes from the Latin word pax, which means peace. This word comes from a root word of pax, which means to fasten. The background meaning of this word peace then comes with the idea of fastening to achieve a stable condition. So peace means I am fastened or connected to something which is stable. Let me ask you this question. Do you feel better when your door is locked or unlocked? Now, I, 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 I tease my wife all the time. But she locked every door. And my sons and I, we, we come in and we have to unlock the garage door. Then we have to unlock the inner garage door just to get into the house. And, and, and we tease her all the time. And I tell my wife, if they can get through the big garage door, they can get through the little garage door. And this is what she says to me. But I feel better when the door is locked. You see, there's a sense of ease, a feeling of ease, a level of uh, a sense of security behind the locked door. So when it's locked, I'm not as exposed. When it's locked, I'm not as easily gotten to. Beloved, let me tell you, our salvation is fastened and locked up in Jesus Christ. We are secure in him. John 6 and 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John 10 and 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. No one can take us out of the hand of God. The question that you have to ask yourself is, are you in the hand of God? Or are you in your hand disguised as the hand of God? It's important that we understand this. Because there are a lot of lies being told from the pulpit about how we get into Christ how we stay in Christ and the benefits of being in Christ I'm here to tell you that you have such value to God you have such tremendous value to God that he sent his son because there was nothing that you could do you could not make this right Sometimes in life, you, you make mistakes. You, you, you know, one of the things in, in uh, uh, the alcohol and not, uh, um, 
Alcoholics Program um, is to make amends. That's one of the things, one of the steps in, in the program to deal with your addiction is to recognize, one, that your addiction has affected many people and then to make amends for what your affection has done to those, your uh, addiction rather, has done to those people and to try to make amends with those people. Well, our addiction was sin. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to make amends for your sin except die. Thanks be to God, he sent Jesus that we can step into. My faith declares that as he entered the grave, so did I. That's why I can say that it's not my life I live, but it is the life of Christ, the power of Christ that I live now. It's not even me that's alive, but it is Jesus that is in me, my hope of glory. The life I now live, I live by the power of Christ. I have died. I've been buried in the grave with him. And when I was resurrected, even as he came out of the grave, so did I come up with a new life, a, 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 a new attitude, a new mentality, a new spirit. The redeemed of the Lord in right relationship with God, standing upon the work of Christ, securely fastened to Jesus so that I can now have peace until he comes to call me home. I can't make amends, so Jesus made amends for me. Praise be to God. Let me just, I, I just stop right there. There's more I'd like to say, but I'll just stop right there. Think about some of the things that I have released into the atmosphere of your heart. Get away from the nonsense of some of the church today. Realize that you are valuable to God regardless of what your value may be to others. Keep your eyes affixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Know that I love you and I'm praying for you, for your success, but God loves you best. Have an awesome Sunday. And the spirit of the Lord, the power of Holy Ghost, rest and rule in you forever. God bless you. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.